Well, this morning we're going to continue on in our series in the culture of Living Hope Family Church. The idea is we go through these next few few sermons, and, and uh, next, next Sunday we'll do a special Easter service, then we'll get right back into this. But the idea here is to, to recognize who we are as a church, who we are as Living Hope Family Church. And I, I think it's really important to understand who we are, to know what our vision is, to know what our goals are, if we're going to continue to be successful in the future. Because our ultimate goal is to reach this world for the lost. It's to, to reach this world, to, to introduce people to Jesus. They might come to know Him so that they can have their life changed just as he's changed every one of us who's received him in this room. And all of this is determined by who we are as a church, how we're going to go ahead and take care of those things. So the first thing that we want to, uh, the second one we want to talk about, last week we talked about that we're a people that are saved by grace. And what that meant is that we're not saved by the things that we do, but we are saved by the things that Jesus did. And all we have to do is receive that free gift that he gave us. And today I want to talk about that we are a people who worship you know, living in a family church, we want to be a people who worship. We want to give God the glory that he deserves. You see, worth is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for something. And the truth is that he determined our worth because he died for us. He said that your worth is more than the life of my son. I, I'm willing to pay the, the life of my son for you. So for us, worship should be an automatic, natural response to what God's done for us. We don't worship out of, worship out of obligation. We don't worship out of some sort of sense of duty. But we, we worship because He gave us everything. It's a natural response because He held nothing back for us. Why wouldn't we worship the, the Creator, the Savior, the one who gave us a brand new life? And I think the problem with today's church is we begin to, we've begun to see that worship is this, this time block in our day. It's, it's the first half hour when you show up to church. That's when we do worship. But the truth is that worship is a, is a way of life. Living in worship to God is a way of life. And it's not just a time block. The first half hour of Sunday morning, you know, that, that time block where, where in a lot, and across the country, all across the world, we find that, that people are like, oh, that's just, that's, we only do worship in the, in the first part of the service so everyone has time to show up. They can be there for the message. But truthfully, worship is one of the most important parts of the service because it's a time that we get to honor God for what he's given to us. Next, we need to teach our children how to worship. We need to, to make sure that we are raising our kids who grow up to be worshipers of God because that's how the generations go along a, along the a long time is, is if the way we raise our children is the way that they're going to raise their children, so on and so forth. And the Bible says that if we raise our children up in the way that they should go, that they will not depart from that when they grow older. The next thing we'll learn is that, that worship is actually just the shortened version of the word worship. That's where the, the word came from. And basically, when we worship God, we're showing God the worth that he holds in our life. You know, if, if you realize, if you recognize that God has given us everything in this life, he gives us the, the means to earn a living. He makes sure that we have roof over our head and we have all the food that we need. He's always blessing us and taking care of us and he's meeting our needs. Then we want to honor him for that. We want to say thank you and give him glory. We want to honor him for who he is. He's the, the greatest being in all creation, matter of fact, he's the only being that's not created. Every other being is a created being, and we worship him because of who he is, the greatness of who he is. We worship him because of his unending and, and, and uh, unsurpassing love that he pours out on us each and every day. We also need to understand that this doesn't only have to be during corporate worship. 
You know, when we get together as a group and worship God, that's, that's corporate worship. We're worshiping together. But you can worship at any time in your life. You can, you can, you can praise God at any time during your day. And we're going to see as we go out through this, this message that there's, there's times that it's easy to worship. And sometimes there's times that it's hard to worship. Sometimes, quite frankly, you don't feel like God's there and you don't want to worship Him because you just feel like He's far away. But the truth is, that's one of the, the times that we need to worship the most. The word homage is to, to give somebody something. You, you'll find oftentimes we'll talk about giving homage to God as well, and that's when we talk about actually giving something to God, which is a type of worship as well. We give our, when we gave, as we gave even this morning, that was an act of worship. We were saying, God, this is how much you mean to me. We love you, and, and we want to honor you because you've honored us. When we give our time, as we all worked yesterday at the outreach, as we put in, I mean, most of us were, were there from 10.30, 11 till 3 o'clock, and, and we put in hours. That's an act of worship. We are honoring God. And then finally, the big thing is I want to understand this is, a, this, is a, this is to be our culture. This isn't something we do every now and then. It has to be ongoing. And a, a, a culture is a characteristic of who we are as believers in Living Hope Family Church. This is not just a temporary thing that we do. It's not a part-time thing we do. But being worshipers is who we are at all times. Amen? So let's go ahead and get into the scripture this morning. In Mark 7, verses 6 through 7, it says, He said to them rightly, Did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. The first thing we want to do is, is make sure that we're not just giving up hollow worship, that we're not just doing the things that people around us are doing. They were not just putting on a show. See, that's the problem with the Jewish people at the time is they were putting on a show. It says that they were honoring me with their lips, but their hearts were far away from me. Have you ever had somebody say something to you, but you know their heart's not in it? They'll tell you they love you, or they'll tell you that they're your friend, or they'll tell you you're going to do this thing, but you just know that that's what their mouth's saying, but their, their body, their actions are saying something else. Have you had anybody ever had that happen to you? Many times we do that with God. Our, our lips are saying the right things, but our, our head's somewhere else. Have you ever been worshiping God? And, and I've, I've done this. You know, this isn't something that, uh, uh, that, oh, the pastor never does this. It happens to all of us. But we'll be worshiping, and, and you find, your, wait a minute, why am I thinking about lunch? <laughs> lunch? Man, maybe it's because it's cooking right now, we can smell it. But have you been distracted, or you've been trying to worship, and, and the funny thing is, you like, I don't remember that last song. I know I was singing, I know my mouth was moving, but I wasn't worshiping. It was lip service. We need to be careful that when we're in worship with God, that we're giving that time to Him. Matter of fact, the Jews at this time were, were just putting on a show, like I said. They were even teaching whatever they wanted. It says they were in vain worshiping, teaching as doctrines, the precepts of men. They were teaching the stuff that they wanted to teach claiming it was from God. We never want to be in that place. In the Message Bible, this verse, uh, Mark 7, 7, this is how the Message Bible works it out. It's a, it translates it. It says, They act like they are worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. We never want to be in that place. This is not something I ever want said of me. That's why sometimes we'll, we'll deal with hard stuff as, we're, as, as I preach some days. We'll deal with tough stuff because I never want it said of me that I'm just, just trying to tickle people's ears or teaching whatever I want. We teach from the Bible here and we honor God here. 
finally, we have to understand that worship is more than just singing songs. Like I said, we can sing songs and have, our not, and have not our heart in it. But it's the attitude of our heart that's really important. Do we really honor God for what he's done for us? Are we, are we jaded at this point? Do we, we think, you know, we, we understand that Jesus died for us, but we've kind of, yeah, we get that, and we just kind of push it off to the side? Or do you really recognize what that means, uh, what that actually entails for your life, that you've been made brand new? Something else is a culture of worship is we worship even when we don't feel like it. And that's, the tough, that's some of the toughest times is worshiping when you don't feel like it. There have been plenty of times that I haven't felt like worshiping. There have been plenty of times I haven't felt like getting up and, and, and coming down here and having church in the morning. But we do it anyway because we're honoring God. We're gonna, we, we love God and we're going to give back what he's, he's given to us. Something else you'll see when you're, when you're giving everything to God, you just push everything to the side and you begin to worship out of your heart with just that attitude of heart, God, I'm going to honor you with what I have no matter what's going on. You'll have breakthroughs in your life. I've seen people get healed in the middle of, of worship services. I've seen people that would just break down in tears as, as something that was going on in life was broken. Anger, bitterness, fears, broken because they just took the time to honor God. You will have breakthroughs in worship. You know, something else that I, that I found is there's been surveys that, that have been done by the, the different groups. And one of the surveys says that three in five churchgoers said that music was one of their prime considerations in selecting a place of worship. So the question we have to ask now, I'll, I'll be honest, there's certain kind of music that I find it easier to worship to. But I'll worship to anything. But three in five churchgoers go to a church because of the music they play that they're the question to ask is are they going for a concert or are they going to worship and like i said there's there's some music that it's easier for me to worship too you'll notice the, the music that we do here is a little bit more upbeat and and uh, a little bit louder than some churches like i i don't get into hymns but if i go to a church and that's what they're singing you better believe that i'll worship god i spent time in in africa we were ministering to the pastors up there and, and they started worshiping and how many you know when, when, they're, when they're worshiping in a language you don't understand, you're just like, I don't know, all you hear is music. That's hard to worship during that. But you know what? I just began to sing in tongues. I began to praise God with what I knew. I began to, to worship no matter what's going on. You don't have to have a specific type of music to worship. Worship is not entertainment, but it's a time that we can honor God. But the problem is, is we're kind of an entertainment-oriented people. Anybody notice that about America? Entertainment-oriented? But we always have to keep in mind that worship is to, to bring honor and glory to God. It's much like my father-in-law told me a story once when he was a kid. He, uh, he bought a birthday gift for his mom. So he's like, well, what can I get my mom? I know, I'll get her a football. So he bought his mom a football for Christmas. <laughs> How many know that that gift wasn't for her? The gift was for him, right? And, and as, you, as you know, what probably happened when she goes, oh, thanks, honey, do you want to play with it? Because he got it, he got it for her, hoping that she would give it to him. And I think sometimes in the church, we do the same thing. We, we come to, to worship, not to honor God, but what can we get out of this? What can we get out of this? You know, is this going to be good music? Am I going to have a good time? Am I going to enjoy it? 
But the truth is we need to remember that we need to be worshiping God. Our worship should always be about God. And that's not to say that you can't enjoy it. You can't enjoy the music you listen to. You can't have a good time. And like I said, we're always going to do the, the more upbeat music here. And, and if we've been to, those of you who have been to the Tucson church, church that's been around a while, got a little bit bigger worship team, that's where we're heading. We'll grow into that. You know, they have, they have a big stage up front. They have, you know, all the instruments, the drummers, the bass, the guitarists. Now they even have horned instruments. I think someone plays violin now sometimes. And they have the stage lights. And it's a great time. It's fantastic. But the focus is always Jesus, worshiping God. Amen? And finally, in worship, we need to make it a point to be participators and not just observers. You know, we need to, to get over that fear. And, you know, the first time, I remember when I was trying to, to, the first time, lift up my hands to honor God. The first thing is you're like this. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Because you don't want people to see you. You're embarrassed. But we need to understand that we need to be participators and not just observers. Because the truth is, nobody's looking at you. They're all worshiping. Nobody cares what you're doing with your arms. Amen? Finally, we need to make sure we're not worshiping in the wrong direction. Exodus 24-5 through says, You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or in the water or under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children in the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. And Matthew 10.37 says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. First, I'm going to deal with this one right here. It says, For the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. First off, that sin has to be dealt with. Sin has to be paid for. When, when we sin, something has to be done because the wages of sin is death, right? Now, in this time, Jesus hadn't came yet. So there was, there was punishment for sin. There, sin had to be dealt with. But I want you to know that today, Jesus came and died the death that we should have died. He paid the punishment that we should have paid. Today, this is not happening. The inequity was already paid in Jesus. Jesus paid for that for all of us. So I want you to know that, that uh, when we mess up, God is not waiting with a big stick, just waiting for you to mess up so he can smash your kneecaps out and make you go through all kinds of pain and torment and pay for what you've done because Jesus already paid the price. So always keep in mind when you're reading the Old Testament where we stand today. But nonetheless, God doesn't change today, yesterday, or tomorrow. Like I said, He didn't change. Payment had to be paid. His Son paid it. Also, we know that He doesn't want us to be worshiping other things. But the truth is that in our lives... Way too many things are placed before God. You're like, wait a minute, I don't have any idols. I, don't, I didn't make a statue and put it in my house. I'm not worshiping something else. But the truth is that many times, anything that you put in front of God is something you're worshiping more than Him. You know, when we go through and we, we haven't spent any time in the Word or praying because we had to make sure that we watched the next episode of The Walking Dead. Or maybe we're just putting in too many hours. Maybe your life is devoted to your work. Maybe you play video games. I play video games. I like video games. But you have to, there's a fine line. You can't let that rule your life. What about your spouse or your children? Oh, he didn't just say that. 
put God before your family? Yeah, God needs to come before your family. You can actually worship your family to the point that you push God away. Now, I'm not saying don't take care of your family. That'd be ridiculous. The Bible says that the man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. But the point is, is where is God in your life? Who comes first? If you put your job or, your, or something else in front of your family, you got problems. But God is to always come first. We honor Him first. What about another one? You know you can put Christian stuff in front of God? You remember Martha was complaining about her sister Mary when she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and she was upset that, that, uh, that Mary wasn't helping out? Like, Jesus, would you tell her to help me out? Martha was doing a good thing. She was getting stuff ready for Jesus. She was ministering to the men. She was, she was doing a good thing. But it got, in the way of, of, it got in the way of worshiping Jesus. It got in the way of ministering to Jesus. It got in the way of that because she thought that that was more important. We can do that our same, the same way with us. As a matter of fact, pastors often will let programs get in the way. The programs become the focus instead of Jesus. Even Christian stuff can become your idol. So we need to make sure that God is always first in our life. So near he who has love, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's a tough statement. We were just talking about that. Family can be placed in front of God where, you know, I know, I know people who stopped coming to church because they were afraid they were going to upset their spouse. They just put God completely on the back burner. The truth is that God always comes first. Luke 14, 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yet even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And what he's saying, what Jesus is saying here is not that you have to hate them, but your love for them in comparison to your love for him should be like hate. It's a, in comparison, your love for him should always be greater. Amen? And John 4, 23-24 says, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, and in truth, for such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I know that God is looking for some real worshipers, not people offering lip service, but He's looking for people to, to worship in spirit and in truth. See, to worship in truth is to worship God through Jesus. We worship God. We come to God realizing that, that Jesus is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We worship with an understanding of everything that He done for the, the everything He did for us, the price that He paid. We can come to God knowing that we are pure, that we are holy, because Jesus made us brand new. He took out that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh, and we can come to Him without guilt or shame. You know, coming to worship God without guilt or shame is true worship. But if you're afraid to come to God because you're, oh, if he, he knows what I did last night. I, I got to get right with him first. I want you to know that if you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, that you are already right with God. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself any more right than you are right now that if you've accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And we... Worship through that filter, through that lens, that is worshiping in truth. And then to worship in spirit is to worship in the new realm which God has revealed to you in His Son. Understanding that you've been given a brand new life, a, a life-giving spirit inside of you. The truth is you can't worship in spirit if you haven't been saved. 
But if you have that new spirit inside of you, that's when you can worship in spirit. Worshiping in truth and in spirit is all about worshiping through what Jesus Christ has done in your life and understanding what he's done in your life. In Matthew 4.10, we find that worship is reserved for God. Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Remember, this is where uh, Jesus is being tempted in the desert. And uh, the Satan comes up to him and says, Look over here, look over this whole world. And if you'll just bow to me, then I'll give you all of this. If you'll just serve and worship me, then I'll give you all this. And, and Jesus says to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is reserved for God. And we'll see this all throughout the, uh, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. When, when people try to worship them, they get upset because they realize that no worship is reserved for God. Do you remember when John tried to worship the angel in uh, the book of Revelations, when the angel came to him and was giving him that, the, the book of Revelation? In Revelation 22, 8-9, it says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren and the prophets and those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. An angel was, every time this, it's a big deal to try to claim God's worship. And the people that do that are going to be dealing with some tough stuff in their life. But even the angels are like, oh no, not me. Stand up, dude. Worship God, not me. What about Paul and and Barnabas when they were in Lystra after they had healed the, the lame man? In Acts 14, 11 through 15, it says, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, and they wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard it, they tore their robes, and they rushed into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn to these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Paul and Barnabas, when they heard that they wanted to sacrifice to them, that they wanted to, to, to worship them, they tore their robes. They, that's Old Testament language. They freaked out. Because they know worship is reserved for God. And the fact of the matter is anything that we put in front of God is worshipped more than He is in our lives. And finally, the last thing I want to point out in this area is that we talk about Jesus as God. And one of the proofs of that in the New Testament that Jesus is 100% man but 100% God is that Jesus received worship. Many times in the New Testament it says they fell at the feet of Jesus to worship Him. And Jesus never tells them, oh no, stand up, I'm not, I'm not God, you need to worship God. He received worship. Matter of fact, in Matthew 14, 28-33, one of the examples, it says, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come, and Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. I bring that up because we worship Jesus, we worship God, because they are one and the same. And we need to be sure that we're worshipping them first, we're putting them first in all that we do in our lives. 
Next, I want to talk about not holding back when you worship. So right now we've looked at, we know that we need to make sure our worship is sincere and true, that it's in spirit and in truth, and we need to make sure that our worship is, is directed only towards God. But now let's talk about how we worship. In Matthew 23 through 37, it says, He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Our worship for God should be with everything that we have. Do you remember the story of David when he was dancing around basically in his underwear? He was dancing in front of the Lord, in front of serving girls, and his his wife got upset and she got angry at him. But he said, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Is that our attitude? That we don't care what's going on around us. We're going to worship God with all that we have. Like I said, when we, are we afraid of putting up our hands because someone might see us? I remember when we went to, to the, the conference in California in the middle of last year. I was up there with the teenagers. And they were getting down and we had all the lights, the stage, the big stuff's going around. And the kids were all jumping around. You know, when you're up there and you're, you're like, if I jump, will somebody point and laugh? You know, the truth is, we just, just give it all to God. Who cares? And I began to, to jump and to dance and to worship before the Lord and not caring what other people think because I didn't want to hold back. I, didn't wanna, I wanted to give God the glory that He deserved. And the funny thing is, you're like, wow, I finally had a breakthrough. It's going to be all good from then on out, right? Nope, it's a battle every single time. We were at the church in Tucson not too long ago and... And I, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me just begin to, to jump, to worship. And man, it, it's hard. What if they see me? What if they laugh? What if it goes on YouTube? <laughs> but you know what? I just closed my eyes and began to worship. Pulled the old kid trick. I can't see them, they can't see me. <laughs> just worship with everything that you have. Don't hold anything back. Because what if God would have held something back for us? We need to lift our hands to God. In 1 Timothy 2.8 it says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. We lift up our hands in worship. Why do we do this? There's a couple reasons. One, you'll notice that when your kids come up to you, how do they come up to you when they want to be held, when they are wanting to be in your presence, they want to be with you? Up, up, you know, hold me. They come, they, they raise their hands just like we cry out to God, Abba, Father. And we wanted to be in His presence. And finally, when you're doing that, you're fully surrendered to God. What's the, the universal language of, of robbers when they want you to, uh, to surrender to them? Stick them up. You wonder why when your hands are up in the air, there's nothing in between you and God. Just like there's nothing in between, between you and the robber when your hands are up, they know that you're not going to pull something. You're not going to go for something in your pocket because you're completely vulnerable. You're completely surrendered in that position. And that's why we do it to God. We, we go to Him completely vulnerable and surrendered and give all that we have to Him. What about at work? Are we real careful not to say praise God in front of somebody when somebody, something happens just in case someone might hear us? Because we don't want to offend them. We also need to, like I talked about earlier, teach our children the right way and the value of worship and, and to teach them to, to unashamedly worship God. You know, if, if you want your, your kids to give it all in worship and lift their hands and honor God, they're not going to do it if they don't see you do it. 
And finally, when we come to worship, we should come expecting to meet God and be touched when we come to worship. I'm going to read you a story that, uh, that kind of illustrates this. It says, in his book, Go the Distance, Pastor Ed Rowell tells a humorous story that illustrates the importance of approaching worship with a spirit of expectancy. He wrote, I was flipping channels one night before bedtime and landed on the Crocodile Hunter, a staple of the Animal Planet channel. In each 30-minute episode, Steve Irwin from Australia is, is capturing, chasing, being chased by crocodiles, venomous snakes, spiders. And on this particular night, the host was attempting to capture the world's most venomous snake. Irwin catches snakes by grabbing their tail and spends several minutes playing with them before placing them in a bag. Part of the fun of watching is wondering when he's finally going to get his just reward for such behavior. So I was really getting into this program, leaning intently toward the TV, and as he made another reach for the snake's tail, it struck at him, and at just that exact moment, a fly landed on my forearm. So I shriek and I jerk so hard the remote control flew across the room, and my wife, who was reading, screamed along with me for moral support. <laughs> what happened, she asked. I don't know, I croaked as I fell on the couch while the crocodile hunter was bagging his snake. I was wondering if the fact that my left arm had gone numb was a sign I was having a heart attack, or if I had whacked it on something, or I was attempting to dislodge the poisonous snake that hadn't bitten me. He says, don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit touches you today. If you're not expecting his touch, you may not react in the way that you want to. But if you come this morning expecting to hear from God and are open to, re- open to receiving word into his life, you'll recognize his touch and not be alarmed by it. You know, God wants to touch you. Sometimes that means jumping up and down like a fool, honoring God. Sometimes it means raising your hand. Sometimes it means dancing before the Lord. But let's make a point not to be ashamed of our worship but not hold anything back. Let's give it all to Him. Next we see that worship is never-ending. Hebrews 13.15 says, Through Him, then, let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to repeat it again. Worship is not just the first half hour of service, but it's actually the fruit of the lips that give thanks to His name. Praise and worship should be on your lips at all times. I know sometimes when I, I drive down the tangerine in the morning, I look out and I, I think how beautiful the mountains look over there, and I just, I just begin to thank God. I mean, we live in a beautiful... I thank God that I was able to wake up this morning and see this and live. And I begin to thank God for this city and the people that are in it as I pray and pray for them. And, and, I, and I just begin to worship God for His ability to touch their lives. It should always be on our lips throughout our day when something good happens. We, we praise and we thank Him. It also says that it's the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes praise isn't easy. Sometimes a sacrifice means that it might not be easy. There's times you're not going to want to worship God, but make the sacrifice and do it anyway because whether we want to or not, He is still worthy of that praise. We should be giving God glory all throughout the day. Did you narrowly narrowly miss an accident on your way to work? Thank God that you weren't in it. Did you get a promotion at work? Praise God that you got a promotion. What about were you persecuted? Why would I praise when I'm persecuted? The Bible here says that in everything give thanks. Not for everything. That would just be stupid. If something bad is happening in your life, you don't thank God that 
Thank you, Lord, that we don't have enough to eat tonight and my kids are starving. That's just retarded. But in those times, you say thanks. Because you're going to say, thank you, Father, that we're going to have enough to eat. Thank you, Father, that we're going to have a roof over our head. Thank you, Father, that you love us. And you begin to praise and worship God no matter what's going on in your life. You get laid off, just praise God that He's got something else for you. Give thanks that He's going to take care of you, that you're not going to be without. If God will take care of the birds in the air and the grass in the field, how much more so is He going to take care of you? And in Colossians 3.23-24 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Everything, we should, everything that we do in life should be unto the Lord. When we go to work, we need to give our best effort because we're not working for man. We're, we're honoring God in, in what we do in, in our job and our work. Christians should be the best workers. Matter of fact, they should have check marks on the application. Are you a Christian? It's like an automatic hire. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But as Christians, we should be known as the best workers because we're not working in them and we're working unto God. And in doing so, we're going to be a blessing to those we work for. And we don't do it because we're trying to please our boss or satisfy our ego, but we do it because we want to be honoring to God in everything that we do. When, that way when people look at us and they go, Man, he's a Christian. Look what God's done in his life. Look at the kind of person he is because God's touched his life. We need to make an effort to, to honor God in everything that we do. It should be our culture, who we are. Not something that we do on occasion, but it should be deeply ingrained to who we are as Christians. Next, we need to know that giving is a form of worship. In Hebrews thirteen sixteen, it says, Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And in Philippians 4.18 it says, But I have received everything in full, this is Paul speaking, and have in abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Aphrodite what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. When we give our tithes and offerings, this is a form of worship. And nobody get concerned, we've already done the offering today, we won't be doing another one. But when we, when we give to God, that's a form of worship. When the, when the offering basket comes around, we shouldn't be like, oh man, not again. But we should, this should be an exciting time that we have the opportunity to, to give into God's kingdom, to honor Him for what He's done for us. Like I said earlier, homage is, is something done in, in a, or given in acknowledgement or consideration of the worth or another. Is God worth it to you? Even from the beginning, Jesus was worshipped by wise, wise men. And they, how did they show their, their worship when the wise men came to, to meet Mary? They said, hey, we got something for you. We have gold and frankincense, but wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wasn't sure how that one was going to go over but I was going to yell at you guys if you didn't think it was funny because that's clever. <laughs> you know, sacrifices and the giving of gifts were a form of Old Testament worship. Matter of fact, when they, when they sacrificed animals, that was an act of honoring God. They gave the, 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 first, the firstborn they, they offered to God of any animal. They offered a sacrifice to God honoring Him because they had been given these things from Him. And you remember the, the lady that poured out the alabaster perfume on Jesus' feet and she, she brushed it around with her hair. 
And old, old Judas got all upset because that was like a year's wages that she wasted and he could have given it to the poor, he says. Really, from what we learn in the, in the Bible is that, that Judas was kind of dipping into the coffers a little bit. And he was upset that he wasn't going to get to spend that money. But yeah, she, she poured it out. She gave everything, a year's wages. And just gave, I mean, how many of us have said we, we've done that in one offering? Yeah, me either. But it's a challenge to see that people have done it. God is pleased with our giving. And what I find interesting is that we find that with such sacrifices, God is pleased when we do good and share. And when uh, Paul received the gift from them, he said it was an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. God is pleased when we offer. But how many know that God doesn't need our money? God doesn't, doesn't need I mean, God owns everything. He'll get it from somewhere else if we're not willing to, to give to Him. He doesn't need our money to survive. But the truth is that He's still pleased when we're willing to give it, to make an impact. Because when we, when we give, whether we give to someone who's in need or we give to the church, the whole point is to be taking care of somebody else, to be a blessing to somebody else. Because we're faithful in our, in our tithes and worships, we were able to do this stuff like we did yesterday. That kind of stuff's not cheap. It costs quite a bit of money to put that kind of stuff on. But we're able to do that because God has blessed us. And we, in liberality, we're able to give. And I want you to know that God's pleased with those sacrifices. And the truth is, it's not about just some random amount of money being dropped in a basket. But it's a hard attitude, a determination to set aside and honor God with the first of our income. You know, if, if you put money in the basket out of a sense of duty or obligation, you're not getting anything out of it. But we give because we want to honor God. We give because He first gave to us. And the truth is, it's not about volume either. If somebody makes a million dollars a year and they throw $10,000 into the, into the basket for the year, but there's somebody who makes 20000 a year and they put 5000 into the basket for the year, I want you to know that that person gave way more than a person that made a million dollars a year. It has nothing to do with the amount, but it has to do with, with more of a, a percentage and an attitude of our heart, what we're willing to give, how much of what He's given us. And the, the funny thing is, is that God's given it all to us. He gave us 100% the ability to, to earn, the ability to make money. The, the truth is that God is, the, the world is God's. And He says, you know what? Go ahead and keep 90%. Just honor me with 10%. It's actually a pretty good deal if you think about it. And the funny thing is, is you can't outgive God because the more you give, the more that He gives in return. If you ask a mature Christian, how do you afford the tithe? They'll tell you, how can I afford not to? Because God will honor you when you honor Him. So there's three primary times that we need to worship. And one is when the going is good. In Acts 3, 6-9 it says, But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising in God. Now this guy just had been lame since birth, and his legs are working now. He, he leaps up and he walks. That's a good time to praise. Things are going good for this guy right now. 
when the going is good, it's easy to praise. I mean, I bet you it wasn't that difficult for that guy to, to, to run and jump around and, and begin to thank God for what happened because an incredible thing happened in his life. You know, when God does amazing things in your life, that's, a, that's the time to praise. But the truth is, I've seen so many people slip back into the old self after they had such an incredible miracle in, our, in their lives. Do you remember the Israelites as they were in the desert? They were just rescued from Egypt. And then they, they are rescued from the armies and they escape slavery. And just a little while later, they start complaining in the desert about, oh, if we were back with the Egyptians because we're going to starve. And then God has this miracle. He sends manna from heaven and, and then quails on, on the evenings and they, they, they eat and they have all the food that they need and then they begin to complain. Of, oh, we're getting tired of this. Such an incredible miracle in their life. Or they, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And not once they have to change their clothes. Their, their shoes didn't wear out. Their, their clothes grew with the children. How many moms would be like, me too, my bank would be awesome if my kids' clothes grew with them. Especially when you have them in the, you know, in the, really all the way up to their teenager, they go through shoes like once a week. It's like, how are you, by the time you turn 20, your feet are going to be like this if you keep this up. I mean, the, that's a, that's a miracle. The clothes grew with their kids. Their shoes never wore out. Yet they moaned and they complained. Such an incredible miracle and they were so easy for them to slip back. But we need to worship when things are going good. Or have you ever been in this situation? Everything's going so good, you're like, I don't need God. I don't need to bother worshiping. I mean, everything's going great now. I don't need God. Now, nobody says it like that. But if you take a look back, there'll be times in your life when, when you're like, man, everything's going so good, I didn't, even, I didn't even think to talk to God today. Because we tend to just go to Him when things are bad. What about when the going is rough? So we had, when the going is good, we need to worship. Now when the going is rough, we need to worship. Acts 16.25 But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now if you know the story, right now what happened is, is, is Paul and Silas just got thrown in prison for being Christian. So now they're in prison, they're in shackles and chains. And what's, what do they begin to do? They begin to pray and sing hymns, sing hymns of praise to God. They begin to worship. Now how many of you have had something that bad happen in your life and the first thing come to your mind was to begin to worship God? Now they're not thanking God for being in prison. Like I said earlier, it'd be silly to thank God for bad things that are happening in your life. But they're thanking God in spite of that. They're going to worship God in spite of that. But it's tough to worship when things are bad in your life. My father died young of cancer just a couple years ago. It wasn't easy to praise God. Like he's, my, my dad died in his mid-50s from pancreatic cancer. It's hard to praise God for something like that. But that's all I know to do. So I did anyway. I thank God. Instead of complaining about the time I was losing, I thank God for the time that I had with him. I thank God that, that my dad was, got his life back right with God before he passed away. He was going to church again and he, he was saved. I thank God that I'm going to get to see him again someday. But it wasn't easy. But it's a choice we have to make. And something else we see in these stories is that breakthrough happens when we worship. 
If you know the rest of the story, they begin to worship and a great earthquake came and all the, the prison doors opened and they were all free. Not only them, but all the prisoners became free because they decided to worship in a time of struggle, a time of trouble. And the same thing will happen in your life if you'll take the time to honor God no matter what the circumstances. Next, we need to, to worship when it's just going. So we had when the going's good, when the going's bad, and every other time. So we need to worship always. But when it's just going, it's times like this. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which was with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's a lot of comfort. In Ephesians 1.3 it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now this is times in our lives when things aren't going exceptionally good or exceptionally bad, but God is just there with us. He's taking care of us. And I, I, would, almost, I would almost argue that these are the, the toughest times to worship. Because nothing's bad enough that we're constantly going to God in prayer and, and giving Him honor, and nothing's good enough that we're reminded to go, to go see God. Our life's just kind of going along the day in, the day out. It's just easy to become complacent in these times. But we need to continue to honor God no matter what our circumstances. And then we're also to be a comfort to others as well. As He comforts us, He comforts us in our afflictions, we're to comfort others as well. You know, this is what the writers of the New Testament did. This was their culture. If we read through the New Testament, the book of Acts or any of the book, we find, we find that this is how they lived their lives. They were worshiping God no matter what was going on. When they were thrown in prison, they worshiped. When they were beaten, they worshiped. When people were saved, they worshiped. And when they were just going about their travels, they worshiped. They gave God honor no matter what. Finally, we learn that worship is eternal. Revelations 5:11 through 13, it says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Pardon me. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, the culture of heaven is to worship. And that's the same as what should be the culture of Living Hope Family Church. If you don't like to worship God, you're going to have a hard time in heaven. Because it's what's done continually all the time. And it's going to be loud. People are going to be praising and screaming and yelling and giving God glory. You know, Jesus asked for us to pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we should pray that very thing for, for that attitude of worship, that culture of worship in heaven, that we would have that same one here on earth. This is who we are. This is who we are as a people. This is who we are as a church. Let's let it show down here on earth. Let's let people see that we're a people who worship God. In Psalm 22, 3, it says, You are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Another, another translation says that you inhabit the praises of your people. 
God is honored when we praise Him. He is honored when we worship Him. So He's enthroned upon our praises. But let's be a people that are, that are going to resolve to worship and honor Him. Let's let it be who we are, not something we do on occasion, but let's let it be who we are as a church, as a people. Let's let it be our culture. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, bow your head for a moment.